0: Welcome to the RCSLT Podcast. In this episode, we talk to Joe Sanderford, Senior Lecturer at Leeds Beckett University about student placements and the new placement guidance document which Joe authored. This is the first in a short series of podcasts in which we explore how placements are evolving, the impact of the pandemic, and how we hope to create more placements in the future to meet the needs of the profession. Listen to find out why placements are everyone's business.
1: Um, hi, thanks Jack. Uh, my name's Jo Sandiford and I'm a senior lecturer at Leeds Beckett University on this speech and language therapy programme, um, teaching BSc and MSc students. Um, I worked for about 25 years in the NHS um, in a paediatric speech and language therapy post before I came to, um, to teach at Leeds Beckett and I was placement coordinator in a large paediatric service. Um, so I think I um I'm able to see placements from sort of both sides of the fence really as, as an educator and as a from a university perspective as well. Um, I've had a um a lead role in writing the new placement guidance that's recently been launched.
0: So I wonder if you could just give us a bit of a picture of what placements are about, how they sort of fit into the academic program, and what one hopes to achieve generally with, with placements.
1: Yep, sure. So um Placements are, um, I think our students would say it's the best part of the course, um, but they are the opportunity for students to go out into the workplace and apply their learning um, from from the classroom um, in essence. So um, whether you do a BSc or an an MSc programme, there's a requirement um, set by the Royal College that students need to um, attend 150 sessions of placements throughout the duration of, of their course. Um, and that can be in a, a range of settings with adult clients or paediatric clients, um, and it really is about application of that learning. It's about um, experiencing the workplace, thinking about what it what it would be like, you know, once students are qualified, um, enabling them to really apply their their theoretical models and principles and processes um, to. To the clients um, that they're working with
0: excuse my ignorance but when you say 150 sessions is that would that be like 150 hours or days or what, what exactly is it
1: a session counts as, as half a day um so that relates to um three and three quarter hours so we use the agenda for change um terms of reference for that so we count sessions rather than hours just because of, of um, sort of the flexibility um, with which lots of therapists work and lots of services work. So we ask um, students to record their attendance at placement in terms of sessions. Um, so 150 across the, the duration of the course. So in effect, 150 half days. Um, right. Yeah. And my
0: understanding is that 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 um universities do it in different ways so some people have these kind of bulk placements and some people are more spread out over time. I wonder if you could just give us a little bit of a a, a picture of how place the sort of different models for placements
1: mm. yeah absolutely um So there are block placements where students might go um, for eight weeks and perhaps be on placement four days a week and have a study day, a sort of preparation day as well. And that allows allows real immersion in the team. So, you know, they get to feel like they're they're working in that environment for a a period of time, perhaps over a couple of months Um, or some settings offer um, ongoing placements. So that might be where a student attends a day a week. Uh, perhaps for 10 weeks, and they would have their university teaching um, on the other days um, as well. So it's a balance, I think, in terms of um, obviously students being able to um, access university teaching so they've had the theoretical knowledge um, before they attend placement and sometimes they go on placement you know before they've had that theoretical knowledge as well so I think either way is fine and gives students kind of hooks to hang things on um, you know either in the classroom if they've already seen clients with that that condition um or on placement if they can go and you know um apply some of the knowledge that they've already gained um, so there are there are varying models um there are models that vary in terms of supervision, um, the supervision style as well. So um, we really advocate um, the opportunity for peer placements where there'll be two students um, or more with one educator. Um, I think students really like that because you know they like having a, a peer to bounce ideas off and perhaps to plan with and, um, and share their, their thoughts and, and experiences with. And for an educator, I think that can be a really useful model because you can leave the students to work together on a project, you know, while you do something else. Um, I think it's, you know, th- there's quite a lot of evidence that supports the benefits of peer and, um, and multiple model placements um, as well.
0: Fantastic. So you're the author of, of uh, a guidance document, which is um, put out by the college for um, all the people that are involved in these placements. Could you first tell us what this guidance document is, and what its what its purpose is.
1: It's a um, a replacement of the standards of of placement um, practice that were uh, written in two thousand or published in two thousand and six. Um, so it was a revision of those. Obviously, the professions moved quite a long way um, in the last fifteen years. So it was um, an updating of those standards um, and. Really with an emphasis on placement expansion, um, because it's it's well documented that there's been a a shortage of placements in speech language therapy, but in in all of the other health professions as well. Um, So there's a a real move um, within the guidance to expand placement capacity to help people. Um, to support them with with offering placements and running placements, um, so the the guidance um, has really widened from the, the 2006 document. Um, it includes elements around independent practice, um, around um, looking at how to actually set up a placement. There's there's a framework as part of the guidance which. Um, involves um, supporting the educator, the university, and the student. It gives clarity around roles and responsibilities of the placement. Um, And ultimately, it's about um, ensuring that we have enough successful placements to support, you know, the the, um, developing workforce, our future colleagues. Um, It's about ensuring that placements are are quality assured that they're of they're of a high standard um, to support students. Um, and really, I think the guidance um, was it was written um, by a group of professionals from, um, from universities and from practice, both independent and NHS practice. And really one of the very key aims is that it's a collaborative. It was a collaborative document, and really to reinforce the collaborative responsibility of all qualified therapists um, to support student learning. You know, to support the future workforce. I think that's a really key message in the guidance.
0: One of the important things to take from the new guidance is that not all the work undertaken by the student has to be direct clinical experience. There are many other worthwhile things that students can do, both in terms of their development and in terms of the service one is able to offer.
1: We learned through the pandemic, really, when when all of our placements were cancelled, um, we thought long and hard about how could we support students to acquire the skills and knowledge and experience that they need in order to meet their standards of proficiency, which is um, what's set by the HCPC, you know, ultimately as a measure of competence to practice. Um, So um, a group of us spent quite a long time looking at those different competencies and thinking about which ones do you actually have to be client facing to achieve and which ones can you learn and demonstrate um, through a range of other activities. So within the guidance, we've, um, we've written in an element that suggests that a placement needs to have a minimum of 25% of direct client-facing activity, um, but that the rest of the placement can be made up of a range of practice-based learning activities, which might include simulation um, or case discussion um, or role play or making resources, um, developing podcasts, um, a whole range of things that can be mutually beneficial for the student and for the service um that they're on placement with um and you know we really can map those very confidently i think onto the the standards of proficiency um and students can evidence very clearly how they've developed um and how they can demonstrate those skills
0: so what is the picture um nationally with placements and, and where are the challenges
1: um i think uh, probably nationally most of our placements come from nhs settings um, there's a there is a growth in placements being offered by the independent sector and that's fantastic um, to see i think we have to be really honest that um and transparent in the independent sector it, it can feel um like the, you know the the additional work um that is required by to supporting a student's you know there can be a financial uh, disruption um attached to that but I think some we've got lovely examples of really creative ways that independent therapists are including students as part of their workforce planning um, and and service delivery um, that really enhances uh, perhaps dosage of intervention to clients. Um, so great to see that emerging. Um, but I think across the piece of you know NHS and independence, um, we we um, have I think. Um, there are services that traditionally offer placements and um, historically have always done so and there are some areas of our profession where that hasn't happened and there have been elements of um, perhaps thinking that an area is too specialist for a student um, to engage um, and to be able to take part in or areas where um, they're incredibly busy and you know just feel like there isn't time to support a student and I think we really do need to change the rhetoric around that and start to think differently about having students as part of the workforce there is a real risk to the sustainability of the profession if students can't access placements and you know can't progress can't graduate and qualify um and as as you know in, in our training as therapists we all benefited from the placements that were offered to us and whilst it's not mandated by royal college or hcpc um i do think as therapists we we do have a duty and a responsibility to to pay it forward for our our future colleagues and um, and to think about how we can offer and and support student placements
0: Joe emphasized the importance of creativity in the way we think about placements. You can partner with other services and organizations, you could offer masterclasses. We need to be flexible and creative to expand the availability of quality placements. Joe also encourages highly specialist areas, whether in head and neck cancers or cleft palates, to think about how they may accommodate more placements, even if there are some restrictions on the direct clinical opportunities. There's a valuable resources section in the guidance to give you some ideas on how this can be done. We then moved on to talk about the pandemic. I asked Jo how she reacted when she realised the impact the pandemic was going to have on placements.
1: think we responded with with panic initially thinking oh crikey you know we've got whole cohorts of students that particularly final year students in the summer of 2020 you know who needed their their last block placement before they could graduate and so I think most universities um, worked really hard and really creatively to look at ways that students could and through a range of simulation and Um, discussion-based opportunities, um, you know, could could still um, complete their final competencies um, and then ultimately graduate. We had, um, certainly at Leeds, we had a range of opportunities that we were able to put together online, so we did have some client-facing activities. Um, that we supported from the university um, where, where students ran. Um, one example was a communication cafe. So um, some young people with Down syndrome who were feeling quite isolated because of the pandemic and um, were really happy to join in a, um, an online group once a week, which the students ran and they did quizzes and activities and confidence um, communication boosting activities online. Um, so I think most universities like ours, you know, really pulled in, you know, all of their resources to support students to do things in a virtual way, either client-facing or um, or other activities um, to enable them to to still um, progress and, and qualify. And I think the learning from that is not something that we'll want to lose. I think we'll, you know, we'll, we'll take that forward, and um, you know, and that that can be, you know, part of placements um, as we move forward.
0: An important thing to note about the guidance is that it applies across the UK, though there are small variations in the placement models in each of the four nations. The guidance asks every SLT to commit to at least twenty-five days of placement, and though this sounds like a significant commitment, Joe was keen to emphasise the benefits of placements to a service.
1: I think uh, I think it's it's a variety of of elements really. Um, I think if if we if services do plan students into their you know their their workforce ac- across the year, they can certainly um use students to their advantage really of supporting um therapy, therapeutic delivery for clients. So for instance, um, if you've got students with you, you can run groups that potentially you you can't run if you're you know you're just a um one therapist on your own. Um, that the having students there can increase um, the frequency of therapy for students so for clients sorry so they can um, they could um, have more opportunities to practice um, the you know the, the activities or skills that they're working on um, I think students can in, in terms of what we've already talked about resources that students can provide um, and develop um they can do, obviously students have access to you know all of the kind of cutting edge research. So they can do literature reviews for therapists, um, they can develop training packages, um, all sorts of of different practice-based learning um, activities that they can engage in that can produce real outputs um, for service. And I think when we talk to clients, most clients are really keen to have students involved you know they they sort of take the approach of well you know they, they have to learn don't they and you know great to have them involved um some of the clients that we worked with last summer talked about feeling like they were giving something back um you know by supporting student placements so I think there are there are huge advantages um we've been looking recently at um expansion models in terms of things like leadership placements or research placements as well so I think in the past um, service managers um, have um, not not really thought about how they might be engaged in student placement but certainly um, locally we've got some fantastic managers that are saying well I'll have a student with me two days a week and then they can do some clinical work two days a week and as part of the management the leadership part of their placement they might be looking at um, service delivery models or audits for a service Um, so again that's enabling students to leave university with a with a really different set of employability skills you know that they will be they'll have increased awareness of you know um, how services run and the elements that are involved with being a manager and leader of a service Um, so I think a really exciting time actually Um, so this expansion um, opportunity has really enabled us to think quite differently about you know how we can support placements in lots of different ways yeah
0: even even the royal college who are putting out the guidance on placements suddenly realize oh this may apply to us too and so i believe the college for the first time is also doing some uh, has got some placement opportunities um so i i guess what you're saying is we need to really sort of turn the narrative on the head if you're a service that's 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 very stretched the response is not oh we don't have um Uh, the time to take on placements, maybe that's part of the solution is to take on placements because you have these highly skilled students that are coming in and that can be an extra pair of hands, can bring in fresh thinking and can possibly offer services that under normal circumstances, you wouldn't have uh, the resource to offer. So it's about service improvements, plus paying back, paying forward, as they say. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely and you know there's no denying there's the you know the it requires a real investment of time to support student placements you know to to give students the opportunity to reflect on the work they've done and to give them really good quality feedback um, but you know ultimately the, the payback from that is is very significant.
0: Thanks to Jo for her time and her thoughts on placements. In the next episode, we're going to talk to practice educators from the NHS and the independent sector. And we'll touch on some of those delicate issues like charging clients for therapy that is being offered by a student. Until next time, keep safe.